Hello, everybody, and welcome to the newest episode of Circuit 42. My name is Ian, and I am here with special guest Diana Prince, a.k.a. Darcy the Mail Girl, a.k.a. the head of Kinky Horror, one of the best websites on the internet, and all of you should go there. And <laughs> the, and apparently just the queen of horror social media, at least from what I've seen. Aww. Well, thank you very much. What a great intro. <laughs> so for those five people out there, those five people are like, who's Diana Prince? I don't know of such things. Who are you and what do you do? Um, I'm Diana Prince. Uh, I currently work as Joe Bob's right-hand girl, I guess. I'm like his assistant and male girl on The Last Drive-In. So that's actually really cool. I I grew up, like yourself, watching uh, Joe Bob Briggs since way back in the way, way days. Um, I first found out about him on uh, TNT on Monster Vision when they went from, like, Penn and Teller, and then Joe Bob kind of revamped the whole show and became yeah. something totally different. Um, what's your history with that as a fan? Um, pretty much the same. I love the the Penn and Teller version. Like the idea of Monster Vision was great, and then when he took it over, I was just like, "Whoa, <laughs> this is like somehow even more amazing." Even though I love Penn and Teller, and I just was hooked and watched it forever. Um, so to work with him now is just like an insane dream come true. So, I'm, I know this is gonna. I know there's a lot to it, but how did that happen exactly? Because, like, for the longest time, we're like, where, where's Joe Bob? I know we knew weird. He was doing live events, but it was like a lot of for a lot of people, he just wasn't there. And then there was this this almost renewed cult of personality that grew up on YouTube and social media as more and more people became aware again of his work. How did this happen? Um, how did people refine him? Um, no, how, I think well, a lot of us were, sorry. or how did he come back to us? <laughs> well, how, how did he come back to us? Cause I know you tie in very directly to that in a lot of ways. Well, I was like you and just wondering like every now and then I'd be like, man, I wonder what happened to that guy. It was really cool. I'd love for him to be back. And then I started seeing on his Twitter, he's promoting that he had, um, like that's the only place I knew he existed. It's like, Oh, he still lives in Twitter world. <laughs> And he would promote, uh, he wrote a, a rocket science book. Uh, I always forget the name of it, but if you look it up, you'll find it under his regular name, Eccentric Orbits, that's it, um, of John Bloom. And he was doing a book tour on that. So I saw that he was coming to San Francisco and I'm LA based. So I was like, that's close enough for me. I'm going to go meet Joe Bob. So I like flew up to San Francisco just to go to this book signing. And I dressed up kind of as the male girl not like super crazy because the outfit I got actually turned out to be way skimpier than I thought. So it was like low key male girl, but um, I was the only one there. I, I kind of pictured like a convention thing where it's going to be like all these Joe Bob fans, you know, but they were all there for the science book and they were all very like super serious and had scientific questions and stuff. And I walked in late from flying out there and stuff and just felt insane. But he was really nice about it all and he appreciated me coming up there and, and just talked to me and we became friends then. And I just kept telling him, like, are you not like, I, are, what's this Sean Bloom stuff? Are you doing any Joe Bob stuff at all? And he's like, no, the days of Joe Bob are behind me. Nobody needs that in the internet age. Like, and I'm like, you have no idea how wrong you are. So I just, we kind of just were long distance friends for like a couple of years. And I just kept showing him like, no, I put out like, online notices like don't, don't you guys love joe bob and i'd write articles on kiki horror and like remember how great this was and that and then i'd show him like the reaction you got and 
just kept building them up and be like, come on, we need you. We need you. We need you. I kept throwing like have a YouTube channel, have anything, do anything. And then at the same time, um, the people who are now our director and producer, I guess we're trying to like, they wanted him back too. They grew up loving him, but they were more business minded ones from MTV. One worked with Choma and they, um, pitched it to shutter like can we if we can get joe bob do you are you interested and so they combined them both and a show happened and he said you've been here like just being such a cheerleader or whatever i need a male girl do you want to do it and like in theory i did but like it was really scary but he kind of convinced me he's like i absolutely need you like like i can't imagine doing this without you and you work for free so come <laughs> So I did, and here we are. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I know, um, for me, like, a lot of... <clears throat> Sorry. I know a lot of... I know a lot for me, yeah. like, just doing this podcast took a lot for me because I've always had, like, a, I've always had low-key anxiety. I've had... I used to have a really bad speech impediment. I used to mumble because I almost didn't want to talk to people. And doing oh this God. podcast... Hey. See? <laughs> And a lot of people don't get that. And they would just say, oh, you don't speak clearly. And it's like, no, I just am nervous about speaking. And so I, would... I know. And you think you're talking loud and you're not. And I'm like, I feel like I'm screaming. People are like, I can't even hear you. It's like, okay. God. And <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. Don't, don't be, don't be sorry. I totally, it's one of those things that <laughs> it's like, like we were saying before the show, there are certain things that people don't realize how many people have these things in common. I mean, you look at somebody like, um, uh, what is it? The, um, Henry Cavill, apparently he had, he said in an interview that he'd rather sit inside playing a game because for him, he just worries if he even goes outside, he's not going to be able to live that quiet, solitary life that he'd prefer. And he'd always have, there's always going to be someone out there trying to do something. And it's just the opposite of what he wants. And I'm like, it's very cool to see someone in that high profile and someone like yourself come out and talk about that because it makes people realize it's more common than they think. They're not weird. They're not odd. It affects a lot of us. Like, I know I almost didn't do the podcast because I was so nervous about just talking to people and bringing guests. And by the second week, I was like, screw it. You know, people are people. <laughs> Why do I have to worry about, I don't have to worry about what someone's done or what someone's accomplished. They're still people. And so I can talk to them. And that actually brought a lot of that out in me just by doing the podcast. And I know like with you, I know there's, I know you had those, you definitely had trouble with that early on. Do you mind if I ask about that? No, I still have it all the time. Even just doing podcasts, like I get freaked out before it. Um, I just, I guess this job has made me, like a lot of stuff I did before, it was kind of up to me if I, I worked or not, like freelance acting, whatever. And if I didn't feel up to it, I just bailed and I looked like the flakiest person ever, but it was always anxiety, you know, like I just, I can't do it. And I'd rather not do something than be horrible at it or whatever. Joe Bob doesn't let me do that. <laughs> uh, there's been many times where I'd be backstage and like, no, I can't do it. And he'll just like, bitch, get your ass out there and do it now. <laughs> So like because he kind of forces me to to like go against my comfort zone that I'm starting to get past all of it, you know, like doing the cons and the, the live show and talking on camera and just he's just kind of pushing me through it and making me 
just not dwell on what I think I'm doing wrong or are wanting to withdraw. It's like I'm there for a purpose. Like I'm supposed to be representing the fan voice and I'm trying to help make the show from behind the scenes a lot, the, the way I'd love to see it as a fan. And so I feel like I need to be there for that. And part of that is to, I have to figure out how to talk and be around people, then I will do that. <laughs> and so like, as time goes by, like the first marathon was just like nuts. I had gone through like this long period of, of depression, like where I had like really bad, like I withdrew and I literally didn't leave my house for like a year and didn't talk to anyone. Cause I was just like, so sad, like some really deep shit went down. I did not know how to deal with it. And the very first thing I did was that I flew out for that. I hadn't even seen Joe Bob in person since the signing. It was just online talking and stuff, which typing is a lot easier than talking. Um, so I was like, I need to do this. I'm trying. And, and even that day I, I, I canceled. I was like, I wrote them. I missed my flight. I'm like, sorry, you guys just have to look anybody in New York can do it. Just hire a model. Somebody will be fine. And he's like, that's not okay. <laughs> like, get your ass here and do it. He talked me into that. And, and even as we were filming, I just like, I would freeze and not go out on camera. And he, people would be pushing me. Felissa Rose was helping. I was like, I just can't do it. You be the male girl. Like, I just, I can't do this. Like, um, and even when you can see like some of the stuff I, I'd get out there and I wouldn't say anything. And he'd just look at me like, um, okay, so thanks, Darcy. <laughs> and I was like, whatever, <laughs> I did it. Back to my, my little dark area now <laughs> where I feel safe. But like since then, with all the constant stuff that I have to do, it's just gotten a little bit easier and easier and easier. And he pushes me constantly. Like he does not accept. I don't want to pod. Like even my, I have my own little podcast on my site that I started just kind of to practice talking and I wasn't really consistent with it. But I'm starting to do that more even, even though that's hard because I, I, it's scary to talk to people. But that's why you do stuff, like to get past it and realize that, like you said, people are people. And it's just it's just not as serious as we make it seem in our heads. As easy as that is to say, it's so true, though. <laughs> yep. I know. Um, yeah, because I remember I remember hearing about that. that like, I remember reading about that online when I was getting ready for the interview that Felissa was was kind of the, one of the driving forces that helped you that basically convinced you to get on screen and be the male girl and be Darcy. She was, yeah, she was so sweet. She was so outgoing. And we and behind the scenes, I was having so much fun. I was like Snapchatting and being like, look at this. And look who's here. And Felissa grabbed my shoes. And oh, my God. But then the second I had to go talk, I was just like. Ah! And she was so natural on camera. And I was like, just, just stay be the M-A-L-E girl, male girl. Like it's, it's brilliant. It writes itself. And, and she was just like, she was there for the interview. Like it, anyway, she was just very supportive and, and definitely the first one, I think the, the very first one I couldn't have got through without her at all. Like she was just there and I was like looking at her and yeah. My, um, my, thank you for listening to that. Definitely. And, because, because you know what the show would not be the same i'm not going to say that right now because there's a um, there's definitely a chemistry that you guys have and the certain the first episode because my girlfriend and i we've been watching the show since we've gotten shutter we had we've had shutter i'd say for about a year and we've watched about 90 percent of joe bob the one there are certain the i the movie henry portrait of a serial killer is one of those where it takes a lot for me to sit down and just casually watch that movie 
That is one of the few episodes I have, so I have not watched yet. But um, oh, if you can see the interview part, like that, that's really great. Yeah, just, um, just so you know, I'm not a huge fan of the movie, but the interview, like, it was really great on there. And but anyway, who, sorry, what were you saying? <laughs> well, I, I was gonna say one of our favorite episodes that we saw together, even though like Prom Night Two, it's a it's a fun movie. It's not like the greatest horror movie. It's still really entertaining and better than it gets a lot of credit for. Um, that episode really struck both of us when you had talked about the fact that you had not been able to go to a high school prom growing up and the ending of that really hit both of us and it actually ended up becoming one of our favorite episodes. Would you mind talking about that one for a little bit? Oh, sure. Um, well, what do you want to know? <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it, to me, it's one of my favorite movies. Like the very first, before even we're deciding what movies we're going to do, I, I like looked up Shutter and I was like, they have Prom Night 2! And I'm like started campaigning for it like automatically because it's always been one of my favorites. And then we just started talking and I told him about that. Like I never actually went to high school even like a prom. So prom always seemed like this amazing thing because you see it in movies like a, a mythical magic night and he said well we're gonna throw you a prom I'm like what <laughs> and i didn't know if he was serious or not and then uh yeah it was serious so it was pretty cool <laughs> but yeah i remember when we were watching that and it was just really sweet like that was the one episode i'm like come on joe bob we're supposed to be but and now and now we have tears joe bob are you doing this Aww. he has a way of doing that like unexpected like he'll get all like emotional from nowhere and <laughs> like the the christmas special and he's like you have to tell your story blah 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 i'm like no <laughs> but he he gets very insistent he's very he's a deep dude you wouldn't expect it but we'll talk about beheadings and the next minute it's all like emotional shit <laughs> well i know from i know from what you've said like uh from what you've said in your past interviews you've talked about this um you've been you've been through a lot and you know, there's a lot, and like you said, there's a lot of things emotionally that a lot of people really can relate to. And you've brought a lot of that to the screen. You've brought a lot of that to your interviews. Uh, one of the things I want to talk to you about, though, um, two, I know these are two of your horror, favorite horror franchises. One of them just hit, um, one of them just hit Shudder. And that's Friday the 13th. So I'm assuming you're kind of excited <laughs> about this. Well, kind of. <laughs> They never get licensing for very long, I'll say that. <laughs> like, when it's a big movie, they don't have the budget to keep it around very long. So, fortunately, we're not going to get to do any of those. <laughs> yeah, I know um, the I know Nightmare on Elm Street, while it was on there very briefly, that was still really cool to see him on there. It was like a month, right? Yeah. I mean, it's great when they get it. It just sucks that I know it's going to be so quick, so they don't even bother trying to let us do anything with them. So that would be amazing. We have all the hosting segments, like timestamps and ready to go. But for some reason, they're hesitant to post them. I really wish they would, because like then all the even if the movies are gone, then you could still watch the segments, which then we could do Friday the 13th, which would be amazing. That's why I was really happy when um, House of the Devil got brought back on, because I freaking love that movie. That movie's really that movie's really polarizing. I don't know why. Because it's one of my really is, favorite yeah. horror movies, and I was so happy to see it back on there. Yay! Well, I'm glad it's back too. <laughs> but um, yeah, with that, I know your favorite Friday the Thirteenth movie is Friday the Thirteenth Part Four, and um, with 
Um, funny enough, I was talking to my co-host who unfortunately couldn't make it tonight, and I was talking to my girlfriend, and we realized we all had the same top three Friday the 13th movies. And it was kind of a, with no particular order, four, two, and one. Because it feels like those movies have the most well-developed characters of all the movies, and you actually give a damn when they die. Unlike, say, part five. Wow, I, like, really strongly disagree with that. <laughs> really? What about... Like, I think what, that... It, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> what, like, what about you? Like, what's your opinion on it? Well, like, part five, I think, is... Like, I feel for all the characters. Like, I literally cried during the, the scene with the, the couple and the toilet and, and, oh, no, and the beginning with off. Joey and his, and his candy bar. Like, it's it's... There's a lot of emotional stuff. The, the stuttering guy, and she laughs. Oh, please. I feel for everybody in that movie. It's so developed. See, the couple, that's <laughs> my personal favorite. Us. Sorry. It's, well, it made you angry? Is it that? It made me angry because I like their characters so much, and I wanted those characters to last. And then I'm like, oh, exactly. Like, they're like the best character. Them and the, them and the little boy, they're like the best characters in the movie. They are so great and, and they're so sweet. And I, I we just did a, a watch along, like I did twelve hours of of tweeting along to all the Friday the thirteenth that they have on Shutter right now. And so we rewatched that and everybody was just like crying over it. Demon. It's like, no, no. Why does he have to die? <laughs> so five, like the only flaw with five to me is that it's not a Jason movie. Otherwise I would it would be maybe my third favorite, but I have to take points down for that. But part four and then part six are definitely my favorites. The next one kind of fluctuates based on mood, but probably part two. I like I like part two because of a lot of because of the um, just because of a lot of the character the characters in it, and I we and I always like the fact that where a lot of them just focus specifically on like the te- the teenage characters. I like the fact that you actually have a lot of adult characters in there as well, and you actually. You get to see scenes, it's the first time we really get to see scenes outside of Crystal Lake. Like, you get to see the diner, you get to see these different characters, you kind of have a lot a uh, lot more going on, if that makes sense. And I always thought it was yeah. kind of underrated for that. Three, I... I agree, I mean, it's... it's... Sorry. Sorry, God. <laughs> no, no, you were saying? Oh, gosh, I forgot, sorry. <laughs> so I mentioned Friday 13th Part 2, and then you said that I agree. And what were you saying after that? I swear to God, I don't remember. I just remember, I think I was going to elaborate on it being underrated, but it's no big, so you can cut this part out. <laughs> the um, the one that the one that um, I don't know. If you had one, if you had one Friday the Thirteenth movie besides Jason Goes to Hell, uh, what would you say is just your least favorite? What's the one that you would just like throw in the can? Uh, yeah, Jason gets a hell no brainer. Um, I wouldn't throw any of the can because I'm happy they exist. But the ones I revisit least, not a huge Jason X fan. It's okay, you know. When I haven't watched it in like five years, and I'll watch it. I'm like, oh, it's okay. But I remember why I don't watch it. And honestly, seven. I wish I liked more. I really want to, but just it's so many people like have it as their best, and I don't get it. Like it's just boring and um the characters are really unlikable 
It's just I cannot get into that one. It doesn't have it doesn't have a lot of teeth, if that makes sense. It feels it doesn't. Like, it, it absolutely does. Yeah, because and the weird thing the is kills they, are like way censored. Yeah, and they de- and the funny thing is they deal with some subject matter that could be really interesting, like the uh, like the main character and everything that she goes through, and then they kind of just it seems like they just didn't know what to do with it. Like it feels like a cut up movie. If that makes Agreed. sense. Which is funny it because there's no cuts sense in it. And it's accurate. Yeah. Although I will say this. If it every... feels incomplete. Yeah. I will say this about Jason X though. I like the fact that David Cronenberg's in that movie and David Cronenberg should be in every movie. Agreed. Just for no reason. It definitely has some good points, but it also has some not so good points. Oh, you mean like the scene where they have the spaceship that flies through the space station and it just looks like it's made of paper? And then it just, you have like, I mean, I can forgive this, that. This post computer <laughs> effect of an explosion. And that's still my favorite scene because I'm like, spaceships aren't made of paper, but you know what? You went for it. And that's what matters. <laughs> now, I know one of the other big franchises, one of the ones you watch with your, you've talked about watching with your son are the screen movies. Oh, and, for sure. Yeah. Scream's my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> that is one of those movies, like, it's an un- it's in my top five. It's not my favorite. But weirdly enough, I can rewatch it more than I can a lot of other movies. And for me, there's always that difference between a favorite movie and a rewatchable movie. Like, oddly enough, my f- the movies I can watch more than anything else are Mad Max, Fury Road, and Lilo and Stitch. And I'm like, hmm. and everyone's like, that is the weirdest double feature. And I tell them, yeah, but it makes me happy. <laughs> Yeah. And that's what matters. Yep. So with that, we've talked about we've talked a lot about um about Joe Bob and we talked about your work with that. But you mentioned your website and your podcast on uh, Kinky Horror. Um how long now how long have you been doing that? Like how did that get started? Um, let's see, for probably like eight or nine years at this point. Um I started it honestly when I was doing a Adult work and I just wanted an outlet to talk about horror because whenever I tried to combine it on like because when I was full on shooting adult stuff like if you talked about anything besides that people were kind of just like okay shut up show me your boobs like we don't care about your Friday the 13th thoughts you know so I just started a site low-key didn't really promote anything and just kept blogging about horror films and I never really quit um and then when I did quit doing adult that's just kind of what I threw my energy into so I kind of did it more and more and so since then it's been really I don't know it's it's I don't super promote it or anything it's just kind of a fun thing that I do because I like horror and that's part of what made Joe Bob take me seriously though I think is that he would he went and read like everything I ever posted and saw my old vids and stuff and that's why he's like you were super qualified like come be the male girl <laughs> like eh, okay <laughs> see now what i would have done if i were you i've been like hey was it wouldn't porn just be better if there was a jason mask in it that's i you... completely agree are you kidding <laughs> for like no reason it doesn't there's have a to be lot of misdustin porn oh i agree i agree like trust me i i need to direct porn because i have many visions but the directors, when I worked with them, did not share my vision. <laughs> I just had to do normal stuff. There was a quote unquote normal. <laughs> there was a there was a Halloween <laughs> porn 
I've just seen the trailer and I want to watch it because it because you could tell the person who made this is a fan of the movie and it's like the greatest dumb thing ever. And I just need to sit down and watch the whole thing. I used to do um, porn reviews on my site and I focused on the horror parodies and Halloween was, I think, the very first one I did because then my friends were in it. And I was actually kind of jealous. I was like, if I was still doing porn, I'd want to be in this so bad. <laughs> but um, so we, some of them are well done because the, the people that write or direct them are actual fanboys and want to like, make their little movies that are similar to it. Some of them are terrible and don't care at all and just want to use the name, but some of them are are really good and they satisfy my horror niche too. Like the American Werewolf in London parody is so good. And the Wet Dream on Elm Street, like they're just like as horror fans, like you can just watch it on that level and enjoy it. <laughs> I know the, the one that really surprised me um, is uh, Axel Braun because he's clearly the biggest nerd on earth. And a lot of times, a lot of his stuff is like more comic book accurate than the actual movies. And I'm like, how, how did it's how true. Do you he, that? He definitely loves his comic stuff. He's actually the one that um, kind of put the nail in my coffin, though. Like, I was um, having some trouble. Uh, it was causing family trouble for me, being porn. But I was, like, uh, kind of trying to fight against that and just keep working. And he actually hired me for Wonder Woman, and we did all this stuff. And I was so excited, and they wrote the script around me. And then last minute behind the scenes porn drama happened and I didn't get to do it. And I was just devastated. And I was like, fuck y'all porn doesn't want me and it's causing problems. So I'm out. So, so it took so, me a while to be able to like appreciate his stuff. But now that I'm so far removed, I can go to it and just be like, wow, this is actually really well done. <laughs> that, that does kind of make me sad though, because it's like, you you are, you are Wonder Woman. You're dying a prince. And it, well, and... thank you. And the script they gave me, I was so excited to do. And I was in training and like going to the gym and getting all in Wonder Woman shape and like costume fittings and like literally just like right before you're supposed to shoot or like we have to go a different way. And I was like crying. I'm like, you have no idea what this means to me right now. And like, this is my like why I've been defending myself in all this like family drama and, and whatnot. Like, like I am meant to do this. And I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> I'm like, it, I cried for like two days and then just said, fuck it. And didn't do any more after that. <laughs> but you know what? I think I look at this way. Look at all the cool stuff you've done. You know, like. Exactly. It's like stuff happens and you're like devastated and you think it's the end of the world, but there's always something new around the corner that you can. I don't know. <laughs> that you can find happiness doing. How's that? <laughs> yep. Also, Wonder Woman 1984 looks awesome. Oh my god, it does. I'm so bummed that it's like pushed back, but it was supposed to be my birthday movie the, when the original or the first one when we came out around my birthday and this was going to do the same thing, but now with Corona it's pushed back to I don't even know when. But I'm excited for whenever it does come. <laughs> I'm just glad that it's getting a theatrical release. I was so worried it was going to be one of those that they push into streaming. Well, it would have been cool to have that at home. That's the kind of movie you want to watch on the biggest screen possible, you know? Uh, I guess I can see it both ways. Cause I'd be so happy if it was streaming right now. <laughs> True. Now I actually, let, let's go, let's just go into geek territory for a while. I have a, I have a theory for that movie and I want to know what you think. Okay. Um, because it's being written by Jeff Johns, the same guy who wrote infinite crisis for DC and you got Maxwell Lord, who was the big villain for infinite crisis. I don't think Steve okay. Trevor is actually Steve Trevor. 
What do you think? Well, in the story, because if you remember in the story, or if you're familiar with the story, the um, the Omax were basically um, weapons who thought they were these real people, and Maxwell Lord was responsible for bringing the their attack on Earth. And so, part of me is wondering: interesting, interesting. is Steve Trevor an Omax who has no idea? He thinks that he's him back because remember, one of my one of my co-hosts pointed out that in Batman v Superman. She mentioned that she had been gone for a while. She had not fought for a while and that the love of her life has been dead for decades. And then he pops up in this movie and we're like, is this really Steve Trevor or is this an OMAC who thinks that he is? Which would be even more sad. See that? Huh? It's true. And that, that theory makes so much sense. I always just thought it's got to be some kind of time travel nonsense, you know, but that actually is very interesting. And I'm I'm hyped. I love the yeah, fact that super curious. Yeah. I love the fact that they have Patty Jenkins anyway. back because she pretty much she pretty much saved the DC universe. To be honest, that's very true. I mean, how disappointing was Justice League? Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> I've been waiting for that for so long. We all have, and I actually got to get the premiere of that, and I just sat there around all these DC people who were like congratulating themselves on how great it was, and I could not hide how not excited I was about this. I'm like, yeah. wow, that's what you guys did with that, huh? <laughs> we were so cool. frustrated seeing it. Um, because <laughs> I have not been so invited many... back to any more DC stuff. <laughs> it's just, Sorry, guys. It's just so frustrating because there were so many things that were done but that had potential in that movie, like getting J.K. Yes. Simmons as like the perfect version of um, the perfect version of Commissioner Gordon. And it's like, you know, Gary Oldman is awesome, but you literally look like the comic book character on the screen. And surprisingly enough, I didn't hate Flash nearly as much as I thought I would. But then the movie is just this Same. mess where they just throw things together, this potatoey blender of garbage. And you're like, you had a lot of oh my ideas. Oh, it's so and, true. And now those ideas are on fire. And I even like Batman v Superman. A lot of people don't, but like I was down with that. I, I was ready for more, but Justice League just, whoa. Dude, the ultimate cut of Batman v Superman is so good. And like, I know so many people who refuse to watch it. And when I finally just sit them down and be like, just, just watch it. Make me not sad. <laughs> and then they watch it. They're like, so that should have been the theaters. Not the, Aww, totally. the cut version where they remove all of the character motivation. I, I, I just thought that was so weird because, like, that has become one of my favorite superhero movies, but specifically the uncut version. Very cool. But, um... Are you, are you hoping to see the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League? I'd like to see it happen eventually. I don't know if it, I don't know if all of it exists. Like, I'm not as... He was teasing it. He, he was doing a live tweet of it the other day, like everyone is right now. And he said it exists, and he wants to get it out there, so we'll see. It'd be pretty cool to see, I guess, but I can't imagine it's going to be that different, but you never know. The fact that Lear could have gotten Martian Manhunter in that movie, because apparently he was supposed to have a cameo, and you find out that the military, I think the military general from Man of Steel turned out to actually be Martian Manhunter. That would have been the coolest what? thing in the world. Yeah, like you see him walk, Damn. you see him appear, and the, they showed the storyboards for it, and he's talking to Lois, and he's comforting her in the hospital. Then you see him walk out of the wind, walk out and through the glass door. You see him turn into Martian Manhunter and then and then turn back. Why would they not do that? I don't know, but yeah, it turned out he and 
it makes so much sense now because they were doing so much build up for his character in Man of Steel. And then, like, if we found out that he had been Martian Manhunter the whole time and trying to trying to help save Earth, that would have, like, made so much more sense. Instead of just army guy. All right. just pops up. Well, we'll just have to wait and pray for the Zack Snyder cut. <laughs> yep. And then somebody at social media is going to yell at us, and then someone at social media is going to say we're awesome. So basically, it's going to be social media, just in general. <laughs> I think we just summed up Twitter. Someone yells at you, and then someone else says you're awesome. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so with that, um, I totally forgot what I was talking about. My brain just kind of sunk into my forehead, and I apologize. Um, all good, man. It's been like that all day for me. <laughs> so one of the biggest surprises for me, especially with everything going on, um, was the fact that we're going to be getting a new series of The Last Drive-In coming out this month. What can now? I know obviously you can't spoil the movies that are coming out. What can you tell us about it? Hmm. What can I tell you without getting in trouble? <laughs> yeah. Um. I can tell you that we're gonna have a lot of really cool guests because we um. JV was actually really sad that the guests didn't show up for Christmas or Halloween, so he made sure we are stocked with guests this time. So we have lots of rad people coming on. We have um, two world premieres that haven't been seen anywhere else. Like people that are just thinking that we only show Shutter movies. Oh, contraire. <laughs> we are premiering a couple things this time. Um, what else can I say? I don't know. I think that's about all I can get away with. <laughs> I know. Um, I know Chris Jericho made it public, so we can talk about the fact that he's going to be on there because he just came out and talked about that on me, social media. I know yeah, we talked about amazing. that on Instagram. And that's pretty awesome. Like, there's a lot of... I don't think a lot of people realize how much horror... How much fan crossover there is in wrestling and horror. And, like, you look at CM exactly. Punk. Exactly. Yeah, totally. I don't know about you, but I'm also a huge Fingoli fan. Oh, of course. And um, I feel I feel like, especially if you... if. Um, especially with the, like the kind of horror movies that you and I are into and, and how long we've both been watching horror movies, you kind of almost have to be because he, he has that, he kind of has that, he has that passionate love for it. Like just like Joe Bob, but in almost a different approach at the same time. Totally. There actually, if, if this Corona hadn't happened, um, and Joe Bob talked about recently, so it's okay for me to say now, they were planning a show together, um, in Chicago. It's, tentatively it was scheduled for um the end of august it's not officially canceled yet so fingers crossed that's gonna happen because that would be amazing and at the very least i'd love to see guest appearances go back and forth because just those two together is just amazing to me and i know because i know i've seen a lot of i've i know i've seen a lot of the posts by both you and joe bob and spinguli uh just showing all of you guys together and it's like this tease where it's like come on yeah <laughs> Make this shenanigans happen. Get spoopy. Well, here's here's a little insider thing. Stringoli has it in his contract that he can't be associated with anything that isn't family friendly. So that's the, the rub for our show. <laughs> so we have to like do some maneuvering so that we can do. So the live show we were gonna do, we even had to be very careful about like what movies we picked and stuff like that. So um it's just some legal stuff, but hopefully we can get it all worked out. See, but the good thing is there's such a range when it comes to horror movies that you could really do that. You could do a full live event with different movies and still find a way to make that work. Because 
horrors oh, exactly, of Dawn of the Campaign yeah. put in a box, you know? At the movie list they showed me, I, I'm just like, any of these, these are great. <laughs> Whatever you want to do is fine. <laughs> Dude, how awesome would it be to have the gate? <sighs> That's not actually one of my like top must-gets, but that would be amazing to show. And but there's so many that I'm just like dying to show that like gate i'd be like oh that's cool but <laughs> so what are your like what are your top three like if there are three movies that you could without any legalities without any worrying about them being on the streaming servers anything like that what are uh... three movies you would love to have on joe bob like ones that just haven't either aren't be, haven't been shown or aren't necessarily being planned well number one's halloween three because i'm so mad that he let that go for so long when we had it, it was all on Shutter for like ever, and he kept saying no, no, no. And then he finally said yes, once, of course, they don't have the rights anymore. So I have to make that happen now that he's finally said yes. Um, number two is, oh God, there's so many, but Popcorn's right up there because I just feel like I love that movie so much, and not enough people are even aware it exists or have given it a chance that they do. It's kind of like a Mary Lou thing. It's like I feel like people would love it if they saw it. So I'm, I'm trying to get him to do that. And then, like, oh, God, Pumpkinhead would be amazing. There's just Nights and Six Evil I keep asking for. There's just, I have, like, a whole whole list. I'm just like, ah, if we could show these fans of Paradise, I I thought we were going to get that. But because I, Paul Williams was going to, like, he he's down to be a guest. We could do a musical version. And then we'd introduce a whole bunch of new people to this amazing movie. So there's so many that I'm just like, please, please, please figure it out. <laughs> So we're going to geek out about Phantom of the Paradise for a while. Sorry. Okay. Because I freaking love that movie. And that movie, like, I don't think people, and it's so weird because I don't think people realize that that came out before, like, Rocky Horror. It came out before all this stuff. And it's so ahead of its time, man. Like, it's still ahead of its time. And here's the thing that I've actually had people get mad at me about. I like it way more than I do Rocky horror. And I love that movie. And I think it's because De Palma Agreed. is so freaking, right. Cause De Palma is so freaking technical. and like the way he shoots scenes and like the tracking shots and the split screens that he uses and applied to something that insane. And then have it be a remake of like a musical remake of Faust and, and Phantom of the it's Opera. Just, it's so good. Yeah. I know. And and Jessica Harper's amazing. Like the whole cast is amazing. Let's just be real. And Beef, oh, so great. Dude, it's so weird. We were watching. Um, we've been rewatching the critic, and we didn't realize that Beef was actually uh, Jerry Sherman's dad. Oh no way! Yeah. So if you ever saw the show The Critic, so just picture. So we've basically made a running gag of we just picture that he's in this recording studio dressed as Beef, and doing all the lines from The Critic. Oh my god! I have to rewatch it with that in my mind. It's Terrorvision cool. with Gary Graham. That's another one I love to show. Dude, Terrorvision's so cool. Like that's one of those where I know I some know. people haven't seen it and I don't know why. I'm like, this is up to I everyone's know. alley. That that's what gets me when there are movies that I take for granted that just everyone knows and people are like, what's that? Then I'm like, that's what we have to show. <laughs> we do um um we actually participate in a uh, live in a live movie event every month with a group called um, the Esoteric Group of Horror. And I think you actually saw some of our posts that we did when we did the uh, Joe Bob Christmas night and we had our whole group together and we did the, uh, we did like the whole marathon live with like food and potluck and everything. But, um, thank you. 
And um, we really appreciated that because I think you, yeah, you ended up retweeting that, retweeting our picture that we took. And it was just so Aww. much fun. And I definitely remember that then. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of it. Definitely. And um, that's the best thing about something like that. Like you, like you said, with your work and with the horror group, you can take these movies that people haven't seen. Like one of my favorite movies is a Japanese movie called House. And we're talking mm, about showing it now because that movie is so bizarre and it makes me happy. And apparently Insane. people just turn into <laughs> bananas and they die. That's just, this is life now. <laughs> and um, that's another one we have to show. Oh my God. Yeah, I, I love the fact that like, uh, I, I give credit to the person who has the sense of humor at Criterion Collection and took something that off the wall and was like, I'm going to make a Criterion Blu-ray of this and it's going to be awesome. And I'm like, yes, I <laughs> applaud you, sir. You and your complete utter insanity. I, t- I took a bunch <laughs> of people to a live theater event of that and to a, the- to a theatrical showing who had never seen the movie. I didn't tell them anything about the movie. I didn't give them any context. I said, oh, it's a Japanese horror film from the 70s. And I just let it just wash over them. And, and how they take it. They loved it. They were like, well, I don't know what the Yay. fuck I just watched. But it was great, <laughs> and that man turned into bananas. So there you are. Fucking rad. <laughs> I feel like every description of a movie should end up with, and that man turned into bananas. <laughs> well, if we show it on the show, I will make sure that we say that. <laughs> yes. Shout so, out to you, Natalie. <laughs> but, um, yes. That that will totally make me famous by <laughs> internet standards, and then I'll be awesome. <laughs> So with that, now we know that you're a huge fan. Uh, we know you're a huge fan of Scream. We know you're a huge fan of Friday the 13th. What is a horror movie or horror franchise that you personally just don't think gets enough love? And why is it one of your favorites? Oi, um, there's a lot. I know. Uh, I know. It's just, okay. Um, a horror movie. I'm always championing Pinocchio's Revenge. <laughs> I just... People often blow that off just by the name, but if they watch it, I think they love it. Apparently not everyone does because I've gotten a few people to watch it, but I love it. And that's when I'm always like, we, it must cost a dollar to get the rights to that. We have to show it so people can see. Franchise, like, wrong turn movies, I love all of those except possibly part five. And I don't think, I think people write them off as like all being the same, but I think they're so fun. Um, I don't there's got to be more of it. But off the top of my head, that's that's the first one. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, like with um, with Pinocchio, with uh, Pinocchio, a lot of people don't realize it's by the same guy who made uh, Night of the Demons and Witchboard, and it feels like a Witchboard version. is another one that's like completely underrated. Dude, my girlfriend showed me Witchboard on um on Prime, <laughs> and I love that movie. Like Prime and Shutter have like the best horror selection of any streaming services. Like I want it's them true. to, I want them to. And like, Netflix is lacking. I know. Like they'll have some good movies, but like <laughs> I will say this though, and this was my co-hosts have forced me to watch all of them because when they found this out, I've never, I had never seen Tremors, and because of that, what? I saw. I know I, I'm a terrible human being, <laughs> yeah. and um, because of them, we're doing a tremor, we're going to be doing a Tremors cast, and I have seen Tremors one through five. And I'm getting ready to see the last one. And I, Tremors 5 was boring 
except for the fact that I really don't like, uh, even though I like him in Scream, um, who, who's, oh, I feel terrible. Uh, who's the, the comedic actor who pretty much did Scream and then just bottomed out after that? Um, uh, Randy, what's his name? Uh, oh God, why my brain mess today? Jamie Kennedy. Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> that guy? Yeah, he just, yeah. I wanted to punch him throughout that whole movie. And it's my normal reaction to Jimmy Kennedy. Yeah. Um, honestly, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> and I don't get it. Like, like he chant, like in Scream, I actually really liked him. And I like the fact that they, how they set up his, his death in Scream 2 is actually really clever. Because they talk about, start talking about. Oh, yeah, it was talking. I know. And. I love that they that the way they reference the movie Final Exam in that scene, because it's like you have him talking about Final Exam right as that happens, and it's the movie where, like the movie nerd, like the nerdy the nerdy geeky character that we that we really like and we think he's gonna get away, and you get the shock death, and then as he's talking about Final Exam, you see him get killed in the van, and I'm like, that was really clever. You just did There's a tribute. There's so much like that in the first. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> the first two is full of that kind of stuff, and I just love it for that. The next two, eh. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't know what happened. Once Kevin Williamson stopped writing them, then they just went to hell. Well, <laughs> but I mean, I can I can go back and appreciate them now as like as if they're a different thing. But one and two are just so perfect to me that I was I another one where I sat in the theater. I was so looking forward to Scream 3 coming out. I was counting down the days. I took off work, and I just sat there crying in the theater when it was over because I was so sad. And the people around me that didn't really know me were like, oh, you were just so excited because I was in my Scream gear. And I was like, yeah. And I was just in tears. I'm like, no, it's so terrible. And I ran home and, like, took my posters off the wall, like, SpongeBob style. Like, like I was devastated. Like, they betrayed us and whatever. I'm over all that now, but... Part one and two are just so freaking great, and part three was just so not. <laughs> well, it's that rule. Of, it's a rule that we've learned that Aaron Kruger should not be allowed to write movies. Ah, oh, like, yes, yes. Like they I wish more people would learn this rule and follow it. <laughs> it's, it's like so. So our idiot president is adding so much. Try to add so much crap to the Constitution, but he can't add. Aaron Kruger's not allowed to write. Aaron Kruger's not allowed to write movies. <laughs> it's like do something good. Do one good thing. <laughs> oh yeah, he's my arch enemy. Well, he doesn't know it, a, but he is. That's because he's a sack of shit. So there you are. Wow. <laughs> you know, you know what? The sad thing is, I think it's the whole idea that everybody gets one. Like even the biggest, even even the biggest jackass gets one. And for him, that was the that was the rain. But even with that, he basically lifted so much from the original that we could barely credit him for it. True. Very true. Because it's weird that Aaron Kruger wrote that movie. And I'm like, oh, someone helped you. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> so with that, we have talked about rating much everything under the sun. And one of the big things <laughs> I wanted... And um, one of the things I want to talk to you about, because it's something that's affecting everybody right now, and I know with you, uh, with your, with yourself especially, uh, with with you, with your being a mom, and with your, uh, with the anxiety and the depression that we've talked about before, and that's uh, the coronavirus and everything that's kind of coming from that. 
And a lot of that is that isolation that people are going through that a lot of people, like people like us, it's like second nature, except to maybe up to a point. But for a lot of people, it is something altogether new. Um, do you mind if I get your input on that, especially with everything that's gone on with you? Uh, no, not at all. Um, I definitely am not unused to being locked in a house. <laughs> um, uh, if you watch the Christmas special, I talk about kind of that's how I lived for a few years where my husband just kept me and my son in a, in a room, um, not even a house. <laughs> and we weren't allowed to do anything. So like I, this is nothing. This was like a lot of freedom to me in a way. But um, in another way, like it, it just takes, it makes you not take for granted the fact that you can go out and you can see people. So I, I feel like I spent a lot of time being scared of the crazy outdoor world. And that something about this makes us knowing that it could go away anytime makes you realize you shouldn't be afraid that it's, it's a gift and a blessing, you know? And, and everybody being isolated and everybody having to deal with this at the same time is somehow like um, bonding in a way. Like, I feel like maybe a lot of people are, are trying to be kinder to each other from distance. I hope it stays that way when we're done. Um, I don't know. Is that kind of what you mean? <laughs> yeah, really, that's a lot of the thing that I think I feel like people should take away from it. Like, we'll see people like you do see that a lot. You see a lot more people coming together, ironically. Um, you know, not physically, but emotionally. And there's that support yeah. that really wasn't there before. And I'm like, I really hope this carries through, you know? I do too. Not that I'd wish anything like this to have happened to make it so, but here we are. So like some goodness should come out of it, hopefully. Um, and I do love, I love the, the online community, I guess, which I always kind of felt that already with the mutant fam and stuff but it seems like now like the whole world's wrapped up in that which is interesting and amazing because i can't imagine if if this happened in like the 90s and nobody could be online how insane it would be like it would literally be just like isolation but at I least think, we all feel at least somewhat connected in a way i think i feel like every one of us would just end up like um sam neill and in the mouth of madness with the crayon and that would just be all <laughs> of us by the end of it zero doubt <laughs> And maybe that's still going to happen. We'll see. <laughs> but in the 90s, it would have happened so much earlier. <laughs> yeah. That is one of my favorite movies that just doesn't get enough love. And, like, for me, it was my last. Like, I've always. Like, John Carpenter's awesome. Like, he's an icon. But for me, that was the last really great classic John Carpenter movie. And I feel like not enough people have still seen it. Wow. See, that blows my mind, too. Because, yeah, I. I... I'm surprised to hear that people aren't familiar with it. They, there was another watch along of that recently and people are like, I've never seen this. What's who's Sutter Kane? And blah. I'm like, what? Okay. There's so much we have to teach you. <laughs> I think my other favorite movie like that is still cemetery man, where it's like this freaking amazing, weird, funny, twisted horror movie. And like a lot of people haven't seen it. And it's the one time you'll see Rupert Everett in a good movie. And I'm like, no, <laughs> watch this. Cause it's great. And it'll make you sad that Rupert ever just ended up being Madonna's friend. It's true. It's very true. Because I know I didn't want to go back and watch it because I knew him first from other things. I'm like, mm, that guy, right? <laughs> but no, you're not wrong. <laughs> we um we actually with the with our horror group we've been doing a lot of live streams, a lot a lot of live watches, 
And uh, that was one of the ones where I was like, so pretty much no one from the group has seen this movie. Let's show this movie. And then like it was like this sharp dividing line of what the hell is that? <laughs> and this is amazing. Awesome. I feel like those are the best movies where like it's that polarizing because I think it's more interesting than a movie that everyone's like, oh, this is amazing. Definitely can be. I I, I know JB likes that because like I have to fight a lot to get ones that are more known because he likes to introduce people to the deeper dives. But you know, it's like we got to have some of the the crowd pleasing ones too. <laughs> they can't all be polarizing. <laughs> they can't all be demon wind. <laughs> I I'm I feel so bad. I still haven't finished Demon Wind. Oh, that's okay. But it's definitely a polarizing one. I'm surprised how many people love it. I can get I can see both sides. I know. And like contagion or, or contamination, whatever it's called. Contamination. <laughs> like that's what you want to go with out of everything we have. Cool. I remember I think <laughs> I think either you had told me this on Instagram because me and my girlfriend have been um like we do Joe our Joe Bob nights on Instagram and watch different movies while he's post up the original poster. And like talk and like talk about the movie a little bit, tag you guys on it. I know the one that I really liked, and if I remember, you said that it kind of took you a little bit to kind of to kind of appreciate as much was the girl walks home alone at night. Yeah, I definitely did not want to watch that. <laughs> I was told we were going to show it. I'm like, I guess I better sit down and watch it. <laughs> and and but it turned out to be much much better than I expected. But that's, again, another polarizing one. A lot of people really, really love it, and a lot of people really, really hate it. <laughs> Where do you stand on that one? I really love it. I love the subject matter. I love the fact that... Um, I like one of my one of my friends, he's a, he does a podcast called um, called a Radiodrome, and Joe Bob was actually on that one a while ago. And they were, he, he was talking about that, and my friend Josh, he was the host of it, and Josh Hadley, and he was talking about the movie. And he said a lot of people talk about, oh, it's an art house movie. And he said, it's not necessarily an art house movie. It's an it's a people. It's an art house exploitation movie. And I'm like, that's a way better description because you have a lot of subject matter and you have a lot of stuff that would only be in like a 70s, 80s exploitation film, but done through this artistic lens. And it's amazing how just changing the style of something can completely change people's take on a movie that deals with a lot of stuff that they don't realize that they've seen before. That's interesting. I would have never thought about it that way, but it's true. And then you have, and then you have the, um, and then you have the skateboard, which I, I want a skateboard, and I, <laughs> and I don't care how people react. I will totally dress like her and get a skateboard, and it'll be awesome. I begged them to let me ride in on a skateboard, and they would not. <laughs> You're like, I can get this approved. I was like, That's uh, yeah, like my director's like, dude, that's just not happening. Just stop even saying it. <laughs> I don't remember if they let me carry it out, but it's like, that's the whole like this is the whole costume. Let me ride. <laughs> like if we can get if we can get the Madman Mars song approved, we can get this approved. Uh, the Madman Mars song was like grateful. He like came to us and like was like so cool about it. He's like, thank you for like reintroducing people to it and stuff. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. It's so cool. Like his his Mad Mad Mars's son was went to our one of our live shows and just was like gave us all this merchandise and had all these stories and it was like wow that's, that's amazing and that's another one like a lot of people never knew that existed and now a lot of people are Madman fans that's so cool <laughs> it's, it's just a fun off kilter 
Like, we know it's not amazing, but it's still a really entertaining kind of movie. Yeah, and it would be so lost, you know, if, you, if people don't remind other people <laughs> that, remember this thing that was really interesting? Like, just keep reminding people, you know, like passing it down. <laughs> I'm just, one of my one of my favorite movies because of the show, like, I had never given Castle Freak the time of day because Char- Charles Band, I love Charles Band, but Charles Band is very 50-50. Like, half of what he makes and produces can be amazing, and half of it I'm like, all right, that certainly wasn't Evil Bong Part 6. But um, watching Castle Freak, like, it was such a different movie for um. Oh, wait, I was in Evil Bong Part 6. <laughs> well, not, see, now we've lost. Well, we'll no, it's Evil terrible. Bong. It's terrible. <laughs> Trust me. I know. I just forgot. I was like, oh, yeah, that's the one I was in. Huh? I started to remember which one it was. <laughs> Well, Sorry, go ahead. You didn't. You didn't watch Castle Freak. <laughs> I well, I watched Castle Freak and I was like, "This is this is great," and it's such a different movie for Stuart Gordon. And the thing I really appreciate about oh, it but you the, hadn't seen it. You hadn't seen until the drive-in. No, I hadn't seen until the drive-in. I was so used to the. More, oh, that's awesome. And I was so used to like the more, like, kind of the kind of like the like the more humorous, the more kind of almost camp, Stuart Gordon and Jeffrey Combs. Mm. And this movie's not that yeah. at all. Like, it has those moments where you expect it to be, and then you're like, this is some real shit, surprisingly enough. It's dark, man. Yeah. Very different. And I, the first time I saw it way back, like, probably around when it first came out, I wasn't a fan. I was like, because I was expecting the more lighthearted. I'm like, what is this shit? <laughs> and then after rewatching, it, like, I definitely, I really appreciate it, and I really love it now. And I, I love that, like you, there's, there's so many people we introduced it to, which should surprised me it seemed like second nature that people had seen it also barbara crampton doesn't age at all like at all That's very true like <laughs> like you and her just two people who i think are pretty much going to stay gonna look oh, no, exactly the same for like oh. 20 years can you hear me <laughs> yeah something went weird for a second but i think it's good now I was saying that um I was saying that like you and Barbara are like two people I think are gonna look the, exactly the same twenty years from now as you look today. Uh, well, thank you. But um yeah so with that one of the things I one of the last things I wanted to talk about um was um your just your work on social media and a lot of how a lot of what you've brought to Joe Bob a lot of what you've brought to it with that and in my in my opinion and actually. My girlfriend's opinion, a lot of my friends, you're really the one who ties it together in a way, because it feels like you bring a lot. You bring a lot of people in you with the, with your with what you do on Twitter, with what you do on Instagram. Can you talk about that? Because Twitter apparently thinks that you're a bot because you're so good. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, I get locked out pretty much every time we do a screening. Um, which is cool, I guess. Like, it sucks, because they want to give you a warning. Like, all of a sudden, you just can't tweet anymore. Like, I wish they'd say, like, calm it down or, or something, because then I just go silent. So I started having to take over Joe Bob's account, which really confused people, because all of a sudden, it's like, Joe Bob, why are you, like, sending out 800 emojis? And LOL, isn't Tom Atkins awesome? <laughs> and stuff like that. Especially, like, days later, where it would still be on his profile, and people are like, what is this? <laughs> So for the, the upcoming one, um, the new season, I went ahead and just started a second backup profile because Twitter just won't get it. They just think it literally says, like, you are accused of being spam or, or 
there's suspicious activity that you're a bot and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, are you, what? And I can't, I've added them. I've, I've pleaded with them and, and we just, we can't get them to stop. So let's make the best of it. <laughs> I feel like- I love it. I love that so many people participate that that becomes a problem. So awesome. Cool. If, if, if that's what happens when, when we're having too much interaction, then lock me out because I, I love that everybody's watching together and I love that I can tie as many people together as I can. I feel like there are two things that Twitter and the world needs to understand. Diana Prince is not a robot. And <laughs> Joe Bob is a coward until he shows Halloween three. Word, word. Oh, I'm still going to make good. And Tom Atkins beating his ass if he doesn't show it. <laughs> Seriously, that was so cool. And I love that you were able to get uh, Tom involved in that too. Yeah, I love, he's literally, he's cheering me on behind the scenes. It's like, when is this going to happen? And it's like, I don't know, but we're going to make it happen. <laughs> So here's a question for you. Speaking of Halloween, speaking of Halloween three, um, I am one of those people where I I I, I kind of wish John Carpenter with, went with his original plan. Whereas an anthology, yeah, whereas basically an anthology of movies, so we don't get just recycling of Michael Myers doing the same shit. Because how much how I, cooler? Huh? No, sorry. No, I was just agreeing with you. Yeah, I think that's an amazing idea. And I think it would have been so interesting. And okay, I guess from a monetary point of view, I can understand why he did it. And clearly it's giant juggernaut. But why hasn't anybody else done it? Like somebody else pick up that idea and let's make a different anthology film every Halloween or whatever, you know, or, or you know, making, you know what I mean? <laughs> like take that idea and run with it. And it, it's still a great idea. And I wish they'd done it. See, and that's why I'm still waiting for Trick or Treat 2 to officially come out. So we can what have the hell? that. Again. Yeah. Seriously, what is wrong with them? They announced that they teased it. I was at some screening, I think, of Trick or Treat, and they, they did a little teaser preview saying coming soon, like it was official news. And I was like, and eight years ago now or something. It's like, what the hell? I want Trick or Treat 2 so bad. <laughs> I think the problem is that Michael Doherty is just a big nerd like we are. And, like, if someone told us, hey, do you want to make a new Christmas horror film? We'd be like, yes. Do you want to make a Godzilla movie yes. where he fights all the things? Yes. Uh, what about the movie you were trying to make? <laughs> they gave me the Godzilla movie where he fights all the things. So. But can't can't he pass it down to somebody like, that can make it? Like, we, uh, somebody, somebody make this. <laughs> I feel like it's not quite Guillermo del Toro nerd, nerd attention span. No, but I think it's quite it's <laughs> close to that, where he's like, I'm going to make every movie and it's going to be awesome. And I'm going to make my <laughs> Hobbit movie. and I'm going to make my Cthulhu movie. And I'm going to make six or seven more movies. It's like, OK, make the movie first. Yeah, it's like your passion <laughs> is great, but finish a movie. And when he finishes a movie, it's amazing. And I'm like, good. Keep doing that. Yes, just keep on going. Stay focused. <laughs> The fact that we like one of the like the big like the big horror guys won a free, won an Oscar is just one of the coolest things ever. That's amazing, that. yeah. And it's so weird how I feel like a lot of people don't talk about it because it's not a traditional horror film, but like a lot of people don't seem to talk about the fact that one of the big like horror icons of the last couple of decades won a freaking Oscar, won multiple Oscars, which is a really big step for the horror genre. 
Fuck yeah, it is amazing. I remember just like, I don't care about the Oscars at all in general, but that was amazing. And I was so excited. And I think maybe a little bit of tears came to my eyes. It was like, yay, validation somehow. <laughs> it's like, hey, one of us won. This is this is good now. Yeah, monster kid for the win. <laughs> yeah, I got to, um, one of my favorite movies is uh, Kronos. And I know, have you've seen you've seen Kronos, right? Definitely, yeah. And I know what Del Toro. Um, he's talked about that movie, and he's talked about how he wishes he could remake that movie, as he sees all these flaws and everything in it. And I got to meet, um, and I and I tried so hard not to just be a total nerd spaz. I got to meet Ron Perlman uh, last year, and we talked about the movie. This and I was talking, telling him about that movie, and we were talking about how Guillermo kind of downplays that movie in a lot of ways. And Perlman said yeah, he was very much the same way, because he said that even though he knows it's a loved movie and people enjoy it, he sees so many things that he could improve on in that movie, so many things that he could do with his performance that he would do now as an actor as opposed to then. And I told him, you know, the really the big thing about that is that the moment a creative person stops doing that and starts not seeing the flaws in their work and starts not seeing the improvements that can be made. That's when they stop being a creative. That's when the ego kind of takes over and you're not going to get those interesting ideas because they're so, so you literally said that. Yeah. To Ron Perlman? Yeah. I told him. Wow. That. Baller. Yeah. And he, and he agreed and he said, yeah, the moment you do that is the moment you stop caring basically. Cause you've basically, That's true. You've accepted, you're basically accepting your own fame. Wow, that's pretty fucking rad. And true. (laughs) But I know, um, I know you had talked about how one of the big things that you tried to convince Joe Bob to do is actually watch the stuff that he produces. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I was shocked to find out that he had never until I forced him to seeing any of his monster vision driving theater, none of it. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like sit down for a second, sir. I'm going to have you watch this through my eyes. I can walk you through it. And he was like very resistant. Like, like I just, I don't watch myself. It's just not what I do. I, I put it out there and there's nothing. Cause it drives him crazy too. He's like, there's a million things. Oh, I should have done this. I should have done that. I should have said this. Um, but it's funny because like, like, one of the first things I made him watch was the Friday the 13th marathon because I was very much trying to convince him to do another one and he was just laughing and chuckling and just like loving his own little jokes he's like I'm so stupid (laughs) like what was I thinking with this but like in a funny way like 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 people enjoy this (laughs) I'm like yes yes we do (laughs) but it's adorable to watch him giggling at himself (laughs) I know um I, I wish at some point that they would find a way to make a deal with TNT to, if not even get the movies, to get the footage uh, from the old Monster Visions and find a way to bring those on to Shudder. Oh, I know. Have, you, have you not heard about my Monster Vision quest, sir? <laughs> no, I haven't. Tell me about this quest. Oh, sir. <laughs> we'll pretend, <laughs> we'll pretend that was a I... clever setup. Okay. Well, let me tell you, I'm currently sitting surrounded by many many boxes because i am the sole possessor of every single bit of footage of monster vision drive-in theaters joe bob's movies or whatever the heck it's called and so much other stuff that 
I, I have all of it now because he had it sitting in storage, various storages for all this time thinking no one cared because like the movies, he couldn't get the rights to it. So like, why would anybody want to watch it without that? After years of saying, what the hell? No, that's like gold. Like, let us see it. Like, please put it out. Um, we had this long road trip that I, I put up a lot of footage on Instagram and stuff. Um, just going from storage to storage, driving from Texas to LA to bring it to where I am now so that I can get it all transferred and put it out there somehow. I don't know if it's going to be on shutter, but like, that's my number one mission in life right now is to figure out how to get all this. It's like 20,000 hours of footage um, transferred to where we can all just see all the old Joe Bob history. So you'll see it at some point. I, I think that the, the first thing I'm going to do, like some of it's on video, some of it's actually on film. Uh, I'm going to try to get like, bit by bit just like start with the videos and get as much out there as I can like good quality because there's there's stuff up on YouTube now but it's like copies of copies this is all the original master copies stuff and it's insane it's like Ark of the Covenant level stuff to me so so you'll see it we'll get it to you somehow I vow <laughs> that would be awesome and um I think, you know, if, if, and when we're able to like, we're able to get this ball rolling and get like somebody, somebody say, yes, somebody put it up there. That would be great to bring, to bring you back on to talk about that. Bring you all back on to talk about the process of it. Oh, for sure. And I'm not even waiting for anybody to say yes. Like I will put it out there. Like I'm not, I don't even care. It's not about profit or whatever. I'm not waiting for shutters to realize that we need to show it. Like I'm just going to get it out there to people because it just, to me, it's just important. Um, just that his legacy is out there. There's so many people that miss so much of what he's done and he's brilliant. And there's just so much, and there's some of the stuff. It's just like, like I have this, this whole one film reel that is just like night of the living dead cast uncut interviews. So there's like hours and hours that we never saw of people that aren't around anymore. And that's just one example. There's just so much hidden stuff on here that we need to make sure it lives on. That's so cool. I I picked up the um the Night of the Living Dead uh, Criterion Blu-ray they did, and it's crazy seeing so many versions of that movie, like the public domain ones that looked like they were left in someone's basement, most most more than likely the basement for the movie, and just left to let water damage <laughs> and everything drip all over them. And then you look at that the Blu-ray that Criterion did, and it's like revolutionary because you're like, holy hell! I never thought this movie would look this awesome. <laughs> And like, I don't know if you've if you've picked up the Blu-ray, but you need to because it's I haven't. It's seller. They have all these new extras. They have all the old extras from the special edition DVDs, like the commentary with Romero and all them. And it's wow. it's like film school, man. It's it's pretty much like film That's school again. And it makes up for that weird 30th anniversary one where they put in a bunch of 90s footage and we're like, how could you not know <laughs> this? It's seamless. It's oh. Like, <laughs> well good to know thank you i will definitely check that out yeah we, we don't talk about the 30th anniversary version of night living dead that <laughs> yeah whenever whenever i say that something has never happened almost on cue someone from the podcast or my girlfriend will come in and act like nero from star trek and say i saw it happen don't tell me it didn't happen and i'm like <laughs> fucking hell nero why do you have to do why do you have to do this to me 
So with that, um, we've covered a lot of ground. Is there anything in particular that you would like to talk about? Anything that you would, any, anything that you're working on, anything that you'd like to bring up or just something in general that you just want to talk about? I don't know. I'm good. (laughs) So with that, as we bring this show to, as we bring the newest episode of circuit 42 to a close, where can people find you on this wonderful, wonderful place called the internet? <laughs> um, Twitter is kinky underscore horror, Instagram, Diana Prince XO, and website is kinky horror. Awesome. And with that, this brings the newest episode of circuit 42 to a close. I am your co I am your host, Ian. And this is our special guest for the evening, Diana Prince, a.k.a. Darcy the Mail Girl. Hey, thanks so much for having me.